Dan Bongino. Welcome to the Bongino Brief. I'm Dan Bongino. This is the Hello, Captain Obvious Story du Jour. So we had warned you that paying people not to work, stunner fellas, you pay people not to work, what are they going to do? They're not going to work. Lefties were like, I heard Austin Goolsby on Fox, no, you pay people not to work. That's not doing it. That's not stopping people from re-entering the workforce. Really? Because now, as if we needed a study to tell us the obvious. So we're paying people not to work, and the number of people out of the workforce is at historic highs. Liberals are like, I don't, I don't get the connection. Joe, they're sitting here like, we're paying people not to work, and labor force participation is historically low. They're like, gosh, what could be doing? This is how dumb these imbeciles we live with that call themselves liberals are. What, was, what could possibly be doing it? Is it a solar flare? Is it an invasion from Klingons? What could possibly be doing it? I don't know. I have no idea. So I had said to you, you know, having studied psychology and economics and finance in my MBA, don't ever mention your educational credentials. It's a joke, but it's true. I said, it's probably an incentive to not work if you're paying people not to work. And leftists were like, conspiracy theory. Okay, Wall Street Journal, uh, pandemic jobless benefits and work. A new study shows the enhanced unemployment payments Reduced employment. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> imagine waking up every morning as a liberal. Imagine that being like, why am I such a moron? Why am I so dumb? I don't know. Why are you so dumb? Is it genetic? Nature, nurture, diathesis, stress? I don't know. I don't know why you're so stupid. Here. So they did a study using data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. So it's government data. Liberals love government, right? And they did their using their monthly household survey. They estimated in this National Bureau of Economic Research study that early termination of these two unemployment programs was associated with a 14 percentage point increase in the flow from unemployment to employment in July and August among 25 to 54-year-olds using February to June as a control period. Stutter! Stutter, fellas! When you stop paying people to not work, wait for it, Joe. They go back to work. <laughs> right, <laughs> which I can't believe. I can't believe it. And the government data says that this is stunning. I'm uh, Elizabeth. Give me the nitro pills. I can't. Be, again, if you're a leftist, these Austin Goolsby economic types who go on TV and, uh, and they embarrass themselves. They say, "This is a shocker to them. This is stunning." Yet we're the conspiracy theorists and nuts, right? It's us. That's the hello, Captain Obvious story of the day. When you stop paying people and you discontinue these unemployment programs, people go back to work. <laughs> I don't want to overwhelm you with coronavirus stories, but it's not the coronavirus story is never just about coronavirus. It's about misinformation. It's about big tech tyranny. It's about the slow evaporation of your civil liberties. It's about exposing the left for who they are. They're never just about coronavirus. So what does tyranny really look like? Slow creeping tyranny. Because tyranny rarely, ha rarely happens overnight. You got to loosen up the population first. Give them body blows to freedom, right? Get them to believe that freedom really isn't their thing, that the government has the answers. If they turn over in a zero-sum fight for freedom and liberty, their freedom and liberty to government, that government's going to take care of them, even at the expense of their liberty. And they want to make that trade sometimes. But it takes time to get them to do that. No one voluntarily walks into a prison. No one. Unless you're scared. Here's what creeping tyranny looks like. 
story in my newsletter today, bongino.com slash newsletter, read it. Privacy threat? A doctor says the Minnesota Medical Board is seeking the records of the patients he gave ivermectin. This doctor, Scott Jensen, thinks he's being politically targeted for doing this crazy thing, Joe, called practicing medicine because he prescribed a regime unapproved medication, ivermectin. So now the Minnesota Medical Board is looking for his records. What, is this, what else does tyranny look like? Not just attacking your political opponents because you don't like their politics, because the ivermectin fight is not a science fight, it's a political fight. In order to turn a country into an Orwellian nightmare, you have to change the language, sometimes almost overnight. Well, Miriam Webster j- j- did just that. Miriam Webster has now changed the definition, as we covered before, of an anti-vaxxer, a noun, they say, to a person who opposes the use of vaccines or regulations mandating vaccines. So just to be clear, Miriam Webster, uh, the useful idiots in this new totalitarian bent on the left, Miriam Webster is now suggesting that even if you support vaccines and the use of vaccines, if you support them, but you say, you know what? I don't think forcing people to do it's going to be. You are an anti-vaxxer. Now, I've discussed this a lot, the changing of the language and why they do it like that. They don't even tell you. They do it like that for a reason. Told the story a thousand times. I was on the radio one morning, filling in WMAL. I find out that, and I forget which word it was, gay or homosexual. They had said that one of those words is now considered homophobic. And I, was, I, I, it, I remember this was like five, six, seven years ago. Well, maybe longer than that. And I'm on the morning show. I'm like, they just changed that overnight? And they've just, why do they do that? They do that to stigmatize you and go, look, that guy's a homophobe just for speaking like people spoke at the time. That's what they're doing here with anti-vaxxer too. If you're looking for a firearm that's easy to transport, you got to check out the U.S. Survival Rifle from Henry Repeating Arms. It's a portable rifle you can put together and take apart in a few minutes. And then when you're not using it, you can store the parts in the little case it comes in. It's so small, it can be stored anywhere, in a go bag, anywhere. It's light enough to carry everywhere. Comes in black and two different camo patterns. You can pick one up for three to $400, depending on the finish. You can watch a few videos at henryusa.com survival. And while you're there, be sure to order their free catalog. Henry makes more than 200 rifles, shotguns, and revolvers in the role made in America, backed by a lifetime satisfaction guarantee and the best customer service in the business. Go to their website. It's henryusa.com, and be sure to order a free catalog. They'll send it with free decals and a list of dealers in your area. That's henryusa.com for a free catalog and decals and to see the Henry U.S. Survival Rifle. Want to know what tyranny looks like? New York Post. New York City will now consider race when distributing life-saving COVID treatments. What? The city will, quote, consider race and ethnicity when assessing individual risk reads this agency's guidance, which adds that longstanding systemic health and social inequities can contribute to an increased risk of dying from COVID-19. Want to get COVID treatment in New York? You better be the right race. Want to know what tyranny looks like? That's what it looks like right there. Changing the language, sticking people in political boxes, attacking your political opponents under the guise of science. That's what creeping tyranny looks like right here. We'll be on the creeping stage, folks. We're waltzing right into the tyranny ball right now. Scary stuff. All right. So on this note, so while I was gone, there was a uh, profile, you may have heard of it, written about me in the uh, New Yorker by a guy named Evan Osnard or something like that. Yeah, Evan's a rather silly individual. He's 
intellectually not that bright. I spoke to him on the phone. He's quite stupid. I had an enjoy, enjoyable time dismantling him <laughs> on the phone. But I noticed one thing when I interviewed, you may say too, why'd you interview with this guy? Well, the same reason I told him and he quoted me in the piece uh, because he's a, he's a dipwad and I knew he was going to write a hit piece, which I was accurate about. So I figured I might as well take a couple shots at him in his own piece, um, which I did. Uh, and knowing that my platform is far larger than his anyway. So I did speak to this guy. And it was kind of enjoyable listening to this moron. Um, he's not particularly bright. His parents must be horrified to have spawned such a zero. Uh, by AOC standards, Joe, maybe he wants to date me with the hit piece. I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. It's kind of a, maybe a little weird. I don't know. So Evan Osnar wrote this piece. I, I got a couple uh, emails about it. People were kind of laughing about it. So we're doing a profile on Evan Osnard too. Uh, coming up, which is going to be fascinating. He's a pee-pee hoaxer. I don't know if you knew that. Yes, he's a collusion uh, collusion truther, collusion hoaxer. He's Biden's biographer. So his, uh, as I said in the piece, his lips are surgically attached to the ass of Joe Biden. He's also a CNN contributor. You know, the uh, Jeffrey Tubin, Chris Cuomo, uh, 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 who is it? Uh, the producer at CNN too, the, the guy accused of like, sexually assaulting or, or sexually propositioning young girls and stuff. So he's a CNN contributor, um, a Biden ass kisser. And he's talking about misinformation and the media ecosystem. <laughs> Cash them checks, Osnard. So in the piece, the only reason I bring it up is because Osnard's, Osnard's a fraud. And we'll be writing a profile on Osnard. It's going to be um, pretty fantastic. We'll have a nice... Uh, caricature of Osnard too. We're uh, going to be drawing up to Osnard who's a peepee hoaxer, but he did something really disgusting. And it's kind of a, even for, I've had this hit piece written on me a thousand times, by the way, the hit pieces, you know, despite the fact on this show that we've repeatedly uh, over and over, Joe, serious. You've been with me the longest. Yeah. So there's a serious question. How many times on this show have we said to people that violence as an end game is not not the answer because there's no turning back. That's once you breach right. that red line, there's no, how many times do you think we've said that a thousand, maybe, I, I don't know, maybe more. I mean, yeah, that, that, we've only that been often. saying it since 2015. It's so much so that, you know, if we'd said it once or twice, we'd remember, um, we don't even remember because we've said it so often. Right. Right. Because it's true. Once the red lines breach, there's no turning back. Once the bloodshed and killing starts, you don't go back and say, well, you're writing bad Twitter pieces. That's not the way that works. We've only said that again a thousand times. It doesn't really matter. You know, I've confronted that. I had that huge fight with the BLM guy on my show, Unfiltered, who was actually calling for violence, where we called him out. None of that matters to the left. See, the left, what they do is people like Evan Osnar, they love violence. The Antifa BLM violence, because it's a tool for them to enforce conformity. Yep. So the way they distract people from their love affair with violence and Antifa and BLM and the left and Biden and their fascination with violence and what they think they can achieve by doing it is they do this epic gaslight where they just do what they take what they're doing and they blame it on you. So in one of the most disgusting things I've ever seen in an article, even for a piece of filth like Evan Osnard, whose parents must be horrified to have spawned this loser. Just look at him. He tries to blame me for the death of Ashley Babbitt, which I, I've got to tell you, even for a piece of filth like this worthless life loser, just take a look at this guy. He's a peepee hoaxer. I mean, he's a moron. Is really disgusting. And his logic is, 
that Ashley Babbitt had retweeted some of my tweets. Jur- journalist. He's a journalist. Now, if that's your principle, right? Because you think he has, but he doesn't. The guy's a, a dip like you've never seen in your life. Believe me, I talked to him. This is a really genuinely dumb person. You should have heard him on the phone. Stumbling, mumbling like an idiot. When I called him out on the mask science, he had no idea what he was talking about. The vaccine said the guy is genuinely dumb. It's not an act. His logic and principle here is that I am somehow implied I was responsible for the death of Ashley Babbitt because she retweeted me. But that's fascinating because the guy who shot up the ball field, who was a Bernie Sanders reporter and nearly killed Steve Scalise, he was a big Bernie Sanders guy. He was doing a lot more than retweeting. Bernie Sanders responsible for that? Hmm. What about the Waukesha guy who ran down the people at the parade who was promoting a lot of BLM stuff? Is BLM responsible for their deaths? We're going to ask Evan Osnard that in the profile we're doing on him. Um, He won't answer because he doesn't have the balls. Um, He's just a chump. But why now? I got the question. Why is the media now made you the new boogeyman? The new boogeyman are me, Tucker Carlson, and Greg Gutfeld right now. We are the new boogeyman because we're starting to show these people that you don't need the left at all to speak truth to power. The left wants you to go through them as gatekeepers. When Rumble went public and the parallel economy I've been building started to explode, I've got news on that, by the way, coming very shortly on my next project. I became their target because Evan Osnard is upset that he's nothing but an afterthought who will never be remembered other than for a dopey name like having Evan Osnard as a name. He's upset about that, but I don't have to go through him. Here's Evan Osnard in the New Yorker promoting the pee-pee hoax. New Yorker, Trump, Putin, and the new Cold War. What lay behind Russia's interference in the 2016 election and what lies ahead? February 24, 2017, Evan Osnard. He's a pee-pee hoax. He's embarrassed. I exposed him. And they're horrified that I'm building an entirely new free speech parallel economy and that they were the conspiracy theorists and the promoters of violence the entire time. So in an extinction burst of behavior, they try to take it out on me. I'm their new boogeyman. Get ready. 2022 is going to be fascinating. The Dan Bongino Show. If you'd like to hear more, subscribe to the Dan Bongino Show wherever you get your podcasts.